Good morning. I'm so glad to be with you this morning as we share some scripture together. And this morning I'm going to be reading from Acts 4, starting at verse 1, Acts 4, verse 1 through 13. And the text says this. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how was he healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And that's the end of the reading. I love this particular passage so much because of all the contrast in it between Peter and John and all the uh, authorities they had to deal with. And we'll get to talking about that in just a moment. But I want to say this as we start, that the linchpin the very thing around which the whole passage pivots is verse 8, where it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke to them. It doesn't say Peter, who had been filled a few weeks ago. <laughs> it doesn't say Peter, who was filled once, was touched by the Holy Spirit, but now he was on his own. It doesn't say that. It says Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke to them. That's a wonderful line. And it um, goes along with a promise that Jesus made when he talked to his disciples about the opposition and the difficulties they might run into as they followed him. In Matthew 10:19, there are these words from Jesus as he spoke to his disciples and got them ready to face what would come against them in the days ahead. He said, But when they arrest you, don't worry about what to say or how to say it. 
At that time you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. This is a wonderful thing to know, isn't it? I mean, we love the story. We love hearing how bold and courageous the disciples became and how Peter became a fabulous preacher of the gospel. But listen, that line's for us too, isn't it? That when we come up against opposition, difficult people, difficult situations, people who act like enemies against us, that we too will be filled with the proper words to say and the wisdom about what to say because it will be the Holy Spirit of our Father speaking through us when those sorts of things happen. So we can count on that too. But that's clearly what happened with Peter that day. He's no uh, shrinking violet, is he? (laughs) He cuts to the chase and talks about the issues at hand and about the gospel and about the spiritual state of the people he's dealing with. But let me say one more thing about this thing of speaking. We know that before Jesus ascended back to heaven in Acts 1-8, he said, You will receive power when the Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, first in Jerusalem, then Judea, in Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. That verse is an incredible verse, isn't it? An important verse that you will receive power when the Spirit has come on you. I remember one time being at a leaders' conference and um, an official in the Assemblies of God was there as a guest speaker and I had bought his book and he walked up and I said, could you sign it for me? And he just wrote in it, Acts 1-8, and put his name. And I have treasured that book and the fact that he wrote that because one of the hardest things for us is to speak up. I mean, a lot of people will do acts of kindness and they, and they will say, you know, if, if I'm the only Bible that people see, you know, let them see me being kind and doing good works. And that's great. Oh my goodness. Every good deed we do in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. And we do bring people to the Lord by being kind, by giving, by sharing, by uh, good works and benevolent works. But one of the most important things we can do, speak up and testify, talk about our faith, share it with others, speak boldly about the gospel. As the Holy Spirit instructs us and speaks to us when we're with people, um, sometimes he will say now, you know, to present the gospel now. You'll get that sense in you. <laughs> uh, pray for their healing. Do it now. You'll get that sense in you. And it is the Holy Spirit then who gives us courage to speak up. And we need to do that. People may be drawn to Jesus by our good works, but they are much more so drawn also by us being bold in sharing the gospel, and sharing healing, and sharing ministry. So it's very important. I, I remember one time we had a man uh, who would come and do our lawn work for us. And he was a kind man, a good man, but he was not a Christian. And I wanted so much to share the gospel with him. One afternoon he wanted to just sit down and talk for a few minutes on our front porch. 
And he began to ask me some more questions about Jesus. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, now, 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 you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like a, uh, a submarine, dive, dive. I felt like dive into the gospel this moment. The Lord was saying to me, speak up. And I did. And that man prayed with me to receive Christ in that moment. So praise God that he gives us holy boldness to speak. And that's what happened on this particular day. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, was not shy or afraid, even as he uh, was approached by all sorts of authorities. So let's look back at verse 1 and just start going through this, thinking about what's in this passage. It says in verse 1, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. Can you imagine the scene? The priests with all their priestly robes, their vestments, the jewels, all those things on them, the headdress, the turban, the captain of the temple guard and his uniform, the Sadducees and their apparel that marked them as Sadducees. These people all came up to the humble fishermen, to Peter and John, while they were speaking and I'm sure in, a, in uh, a forceful way they were speaking, but also in a peaceful way. The people were eager to learn. They were being taught. And Peter and John were with them doing something for the Lord. Now, these authorities, it says in verse 2, were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming the resurrection of the dead. That, of course, is a problem for the Sadducees because they didn't believe in that. They were against anything supernatural and spiritual. So they came up upon these men as they were teaching, engaged in a peaceful activity. And I can only imagine that scene, them greatly disturbed, them full of rancor and anger against the disciples coming up as authorities in all their power and might against humble men fishermen who didn't have in the natural in the civic sense didn't have power and these men it says in verse 3 they seized peter and john and they put them in jail that can be a very terrifying thing particularly when you're innocent whether you're innocent or guilty it's a terrifying thing you know if the police cars show up and the lights are going and the noise all the noises and the the uh, the violence of it in the sense of being seized and arrested that's a frightening thing and it's a frightening thing to be all and humble against authorities and that's where peter and john found themselves i remember one time being in a courtroom with a woman that i was helping and she She was there simply to check in with the judge. You know, she was in nice clothes. It was peaceful and calm for her. And there were a lot of people gathered there who needed to check in with the judge. But the judge was there in his robes up on the bench, and there were um, lawyers there in their business suits with their briefcases. And in the midst of this scene, a woman was brought into the courtroom, and she was in her jail uniform in a green shirt and pants, But her hands were handcuffed. There was a chain around her waist. She had ankle bracelets on. You know, she was just totally chained. And I remember watching her brought in among these authorities. 
Um, I, you know, I don't know her story. I don't know if she was guilty, you know, in, in everything that she had done. She deserved this, whether, you know, there were circumstances that got her into trouble, some her fault, some other's fault. I don't know her story. But all I know is watching her slumped over and that that sense about her that she would love to have hidden anywhere she could have found because everyone around her was dressed well and powerful and strong, and she was the weak one. So I can imagine how it felt or it would feel to someone other than these disciples filled with the Holy Spirit, but they were put in jail for the night. And yet, here's a contrast. I mentioned a moment ago that there were contrasts, or there are lots of contrasts in the story. They were put in jail, and it looked like that some sort of defeat. But in verse 4 it says, But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Wow. <laughs> the last report was 3,000. Now the, the, the number had grown to 5,000, even as the disciples were being arrested. Sometimes in the natural, things look very bleak. But in the spiritual, wow, we're winning. <laughs> they were winning. 5,000 people brought into the faith. Well, the next day, these rulers, it says, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. So this here you think of this rulers, elders, teachers of the law, and it goes on in verse 6 to say, Annas, the high priest of this year, Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, who had been the high priest, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. So can you picture this in your mind, this conglomeration of rulers, the, the grand high people of Jerusalem, of the Jewish faith, all gathered. I don't know how many altogether there were, but at least between this uh, group of names and the first names in this passage, there were 11 individuals or groups of people named here. And here they're assembled, and probably, as I say, with many others, in a court of sorts to bring Peter and John before them. And that's what it says in verse 7. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? And when we think about it, what is bringing uh, the disciples before these men, in part, is the continued preaching about Jesus, which is huge. Um, the Council of Elders wanted the name of Jesus silenced, not used, and they certainly did not want this talking about Jesus being resurrected uh, to continue. So that was a huge piece of what they had against the men. But the other thing was Peter and John had healed a lame beggar. And that story is told in Acts 3. And you can imagine, the biggest act in town has been the temple priests and authorities. They have run the show. They have been the one uh, source of religion and spirituality. But here comes this Jesus. He had come along and won the hearts of so many of the people. Certainly it had enemies, but he had won so many of the hearts of the people. Miracles had followed him everywhere. And now the miracles have not stopped. They're continuing with Peter and John. 
and the other disciples. And they're only increasing this power and this, this, this chutzpah, <laughs> this holy chutzpah of the disciples. It's continuing and increasing. They're getting more bold. They're doing these miracles. They're having more people join them. Of course, there was jealousy because these authorities didn't operate out of the love and the peace of the Holy Spirit. They were operating out of religiousness and religious spirits. So they said, by what power and what name did you do this? And Peter, here's this verse 8 that I said is the linchpin of this passage. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed. Isn't that amazing to think? We're being called to account for saving a man's life, for restoring his body, his emotions, for healing his spirit. That is our quote-unquote crime. <laughs> so Peter says, if we're being a Called to account for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom the God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. So again, we see another contrast. With the authorities, rules and um, conformity have been promoted that haven't done anything to help the people. But with Jesus, there has come healing and life and community and transformation, restoration. Those things have come to the people. What a contrast between the religious body and between Jesus and his movement. Life comes with Jesus Christ. Contrast, the rulers crucified Jesus, but God raised Jesus from the dead. The rulers crucified and attempted to destroy Jesus and everything uh, that had come out of his mission and ministry on earth. But God raised him from the dead, and he lives. And so Peter went on to say, it's because of this, it's because of the name of Jesus Christ that this man stands before you healed. So Jesus said, it's the, excuse me, the disciple said, it's Jesus' name that caused this man to be healed so that he could stand, not sit, not lay on the ground endlessly anymore, but stand before them. And there's another contrast. What the man was before, he encountered the Holy Spirit in Peter and John, and what the man was after. He encountered Peter and John and the Holy Spirit working through them. So then Peter went on, and this is an amazing thing, that he quoted scripture and quoted it in a really uh, marvelous way, really on point for a man who was a fisherman. So Peter says to them, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. He was quoting Psalm 2. Psalm 118, verse 22. And isn't that amazing? There's another contrast. <laughs> Peter, filled with the Spirit, 
can recall a scripture verse and have it so applicable to the situation. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, and he's become the chief cornerstone. The learned men never were able to see Jesus in the scriptures. They chose not to. And throughout the scriptures, who is present? It's Jesus Christ. And here's Peter. He's the one.